Do you ever feel like you're always on? What do you do when you need a moment to chill? How would you like to hit the reset button to get ready for what's next? These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nothing but nonstop hustle all the time. Sometimes you just need a moment to turn off and hit reset, and that's when you can reach for Coors Light. It's made to chill. Look, it's summertime. Transfer window is coming up. It's gonna get crazy. So if you ever just wanna, again, take a step back and relax, read the transfer rounds, read the gossip rumors, grab a Coors Light. It'll be perfect companion for all those transfer merry-go-rounds. There's only one beer out there that's literally made to chill, and that's Coors Light. The mountains on the bottles and cans even turn blue when the beer is cold. That way you always know when it's time to chill. When you need to hit reset, just open a Coors Light. It's mountain cold refreshment made to chill. Now that it's finally hot in Minnesota, I'm going to be looking for an easy beer to drink, and Coors Light is perfect for that. It's lagered, it's cold filtered, and it's cold packaged. It's, again, made to chill. It's crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies perfect for a moment to unwind and so when you want to hit reset reach for the beer that's made to chill get coors light in the new look delivered straight to your door with drizzly or instacart coors brewing company golden colorado and as always celebrate all right so you're listening to this podcast right now london is blue and guess what we host our podcast on anchor.fm that's right if you're looking to host your own podcast this is the easiest free way to get started. This got a content creation tool allows you to record and the podcast right from a phone. That's right. Don't even need a computer, but you can do it there too. They'll also help you distribute it, which is probably the most challenging part. You don't want to have to mess with that. They got you covered. You can get it right on a Spotify and Apple podcast as well as any other place podcasts are found. And you know what? You can monetize it too. Make a little cash for sharing your great content with the world. It's everything you need to make a podcast all in one individual place. So you know what? Head over to your app store, download the Anchor app, or head to anchor.fm to get started if you're ready to launch your podcast and make it happen. Hi, this is Ruben off the cheek. This is William. I'm Mason Mount. You're listening to the London is Blue podcast. All right, Chelsea fans, what is up? What is happening? It is time for another London is Blue podcast. The best kind of podcast Nick and Dan with me, smiling ear to ear, soaking it all in. This is going to be a party, gentlemen. Uh, This is, to be fair, Nick, we've traded those three terrible losses for this one massive win. We have cashed in. The prize is ours. Indeed. Um, I, I, I will credit George Benson, who was on our show last weekend, after an atrocious loss to to Bournemouth, and he said that if we beat Spurs, he doesn't give a shit um, what happened the previous six weeks, Dan. And um, I'll tell you, it it feels like he might have been right there. Well, it's elation, it's joyous, it's Christmas come early. As we're recording, we're about forty eight hours away from Christmas, and this is one of those gifts that. Frank Lampard and 11 other wonderful men decided that we should open just a touch early this year, and we are so happy to do so. I thought you were going to say 48 beverages in, which probably wouldn't be too far off the pace. Also accurate. Yeah, it was it was fun talking to George a little bit. Yannick was very lighting us up today. <laughs> <laughs> he, he was enjoying himself. So go check out his match recap uh, and his video on YouTube. It will be 
a good one based off our WhatsApp conversation. <laughs> uh, go check out AZ Designer. He would be putting out some banging William illustrations uh, for his performance. Well, look, we have so much to talk about in this episode. It's going to be a little bit different. I think we're, we just kind of want to run through the match itself and attack it kind of one thing at a time versus how we normally do it. So bear with us. There's just so much to unpack. We didn't want to skip anything. Um, but per our usual start to the podcast, Nick has an overall theme for today's show. Nick, let the lovely listeners know what they're in store for. I've just got word that we're going to the monitor uh, for this one, actually. And uh, there has been a, a VAR check, and it appears that London is indeed blue, Brandon. Um, oh, and that's been the decision from, from the office. So uh, London is blue. All right. Uh, well, now that we have an official word on London and its uh, territories, Dan, Chelsea FC on Instagram crushing it with a <laughs> post-match illustration graphic. Uh, we will share it, but walk us through it. Wordsmith. Well, there's, there was so much. There were, to credit to everyone, everyone was uh, the team was on A-plus form today. And a lot of the supporters and individuals posting content online were also on A-plus form. This one in particular is the Blues Christmas Vacation Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. And it's uh, William in the titular role in the Santa outfit. So like the actual poster for the movie getting electrocuted by the Christmas lights. And he did not have many good packages to bring to Spurs fans. Uh, Also, we didn't put in the script here. Another great match day poster, Star Wars theme that had all yep. the players. That was really, really good, too. Uh, I know, Nick, you picked out a couple other ones that you were very excited about. Yeah, I, I think uh, our friends at Chelsea FC and USA, USA might have had their best day as a Twitter account today. They were absolutely on fire um, between the William takes flight and Tottenham pays for it tweet, which was absolutely fantastic and then they did the the famous guy with sign in new york that just says london is blue on it um they were absolutely ripping it today absolutely on fire and then brandon all of the all of the academy players uh who have come up and are now playing in the first team all tweeted out very similar messages and i just want you to read that out loud just for a, a shits and giggles yeah a lot of different photos a lot of different wordsmithing on it. But at the end of the day, we'll use Mason Mounts. London is blue with a blue heart emoji. He's got him, Tammy, doing the squint, the faint he always does. Reese James <laughs> with the smug look. Callum Hudson-Noy happy to be there and Fick. Fick's feeling himself. And then Mason smiles from ear to ear. Love seeing those boys. The Academy was proper up for it. They had themselves a day today, and I'm so excited to get into it. Um, while we're getting into everything, um, we do want to um, get to our shout outs next time. This is going to be an extra long show, so we want to jump into it right away. Um, but we are going to plug the scarves really quick, Nick, just because we do have a handful left. Uh, Chad even asked me at Brit's Day, do we still have some? I said yes, but they're thinning. And he said, I need to get me one. So we need to reserve one for Chad. But for our listeners, there are still a few left, correct? Uh, uh, the privileges of being Chad. Um, 
Uh, yeah, so Dan, I think we probably have what forty ish. Is forty right? That's that's probably close to the accurate number. G- give or take. Okay, so we'll go, we'll go to do a var check on that one later and get back here. <laughs> we'll we'll take it to the screen. Um, yeah. So if you're interested in buying a scarf, they won't ship until after the new year, as we are kind of all busy uh, with family and such. Uh, so forgive us there. But uh, if you're interested, contact at londonisbluepodcast.com is our PayPal. So you got to PayPal us. Uh, if you live in the U.S., $20 with shipping included. If you're in an international supporter, uh, $25, and that includes shipping as well. Uh, just uh, hit us up. Let us know that you've ordered one. We'll make sure to get those out after the new year, and you can wear that to your next watch party or hopefully uh, to Stanford Bridge. Yeah, don't don't be like me. Uh, don't lose it right away. Uh, <laughs> Unbelievable. I, I, I had it post London, and I don't know where it went. So uh, I'm the worst. I might have to go buy one, <laughs> just like everyone. Um, all right. So whew, serious face now, because before we want to get into the match, there we feel like it is important to pull out the racism piece and put it at the beginning. Because we believe that it deserves to be pulled out of the match and discussed separately and making also sure that you don't miss it. We're only a couple minutes into the show. I guarantee you're still listening. This is the time for us to talk about it while we have your ears. So what would become the most unfortunate incident of the match? Antonio Rudiger made a monkey gesture and pointed to the Spurs supporters who are heckling him with racial abuse, is what we can assume. Uh, he let Aspie Laqueta know, Aspie Laqueta followed protocol, told Anthony Taylor, this was one of the few things that Anthony Taylor got right on the day, stop play, talk to Mourinho, talk to Lampard together, instigated the protocol, and then there were three separate announcements made via the stadium PA to remind the players and fans that racial abuse is not accepted at these matches and are a form of match interference. Dan, Antonio Rudiger took to Twitter afterwards to clarify and elaborate a little bit. Yeah, so just from his tweets, starting off here, tweet one of four, it's really sad to see such racism again at a football match, but I think it's very important to talk about it in public. If not, it will be forgotten again in a couple of days as always, I don't want to involve Tottenham as an entire club into this situation, as I know it, that's just a couple of idiots. That, uh, just a couple of idiots were the offenders. I got a lot of supporter messages on social media from Spurs fans as well in the last hours. Thank you a lot for this. I really hope the offenders will be found and punished soon. And in such a modern football ground like the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium, with dozens of TVs and security cameras, it must be possible to find and subsequently punish them. If not, then there must have been witnesses in the stadium who saw and heard the incident. It's just as they're saying that racism still exists in 2019. When will this nonsense stop? Full stop. And that's, you know, Nick, I mean, it's just amazing that, you know, we're 382 matches into this season, you know, to what we do as a podcast. And we're still having to talk about this type of aberrant and frankly, unacceptable behavior that occurs all too, too often. Yeah. I think we were, you know, putting rough guesstimates on this, which is a, you know, a terrible thing to do, but it's probably 
somewhere in the 15 or 20th time that we've mentioned this issue in one of our podcasts. And that's outside of the three-part series that we did on racism and anti-Semitism last summer. So it's just, it's incredibly sad. Uh, You know, like, uh, you know, I I just credit Robbie Earl on the NBC telecast. if, If you were watching that, um, Rebecca Lowe basically asked him, like, how, how is Antonio Rudiger going to feel? And, and she did that with the context that Robbie Earl suffered racist abuse when he played in England. And um, his response was that he'll be tough and, you know, he'll show strength in his press opportunities. He'll show strength to his family. But when he really sits down at night, he's just going to feel really sad. And um, that, you know, Robbie Earl was tearing up, I think, the, the whole you know, set was somber and it's, it's just unacceptable. Isn't a strong enough fucking word for what's happening now. I I think is, is my point of view on this, Brandon, Uh, like Gary, I'm going to let you go on what Gary Neville said, because I thought he was great on the day. Uh, Ashley Cole was great with him uh, on the sky sports set, but I, you know, it makes me so angry, (laughs) like angry and furious that, in 2019, we still haven't figured this out. Right. It's, uh, and you have to know it's a huge thing because we have so many amazing, positive things to talk about that we have to push them aside because this trumps everything else. Gary Neville, um, if you've missed it, he was on Sky Sports right after the match. It was him, Ashley Cole, Graham Sunis. Maybe just Dave, the the presenter. The mm-hmm. presenter. Anyways, Jones, yeah. here is we're just gonna give him a quick quote because I don't always agree with Neville, um, but I think that he has a really good perspective on this one. Um, so again, uh, quote: We have seen an issue today that we might say is down to one particular person, but it is a far bigger issue than that, and there has to be something that happens quickly. We maybe have to empower the players to walk off the pitch and stop the entertainment. While it's happening, because that's the only way I can see it changing. End quote. Uh, they talked about Ashley Cole when he was uh, racially abused in Turkey in 2003, and Neville has now publicly came out and said he's ashamed that he didn't take action back then. He also said he didn't know what to do back then. So, like, even players today, they aren't sure what to do. They need help, they need guidance. So Neville goes on to say, quote, I didn't walk off the pitch when Ashley was abused 15 years ago, and people might say it's okay to sit in my ivory tower of a commentary box and tell players to walk off the pitch, but ultimately I am ashamed of myself for not doing it 15 years ago, and I'd be absolutely proud of players now if they did something about it and took it into their own hands, again, end quote. Um, That is powerful in the sense that he was in the situation 15 years removed, in hindsight, is remorseful feels terrible, embarrassed. I mean, the words he's using are so strong. That should empower players now to take the power away from the FA, from the broadcasters, from the rest of the fans in the stadium. Imagine doing your job and being racially abused. I think that is the quickest way for you to try to sit here in your seat as an individual and say and, and understand it. The difference is yep. they do it in front of 60,000 or more people on a weekend. And they get to be jeered at and booed and harassed. It's yeah. unacceptable. And well, that's and it, something that we have to deal with. And, and really quick, sorry to cut you off there. Um, if if the PFA 
or or footballing governing bodies, Dan, aren't going to make a move on this, aren't going to do anything about it, then let them respond to both teams walking off the pitch and figure out what to do after the fact. I, I think that's a brilliant idea. But it's not as if they've only had like 36 hours to figure out what to do about racism in football. They've had they've had 60 years to figure it out. More, way more than that. Sorry, that was a terrible number arbitrarily to throw out there. But like, just in general, they've had a ton of time and haven't figured it out. Let them figure it out after the fact. No, new new to 2019, just just as new as the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. This only came about just recently, so they're really struggling to deal with how to get the appropriate answer in a short window of time. I mean, look, you know, Raheem Sterling has been uh, a brilliant person speaking about this through the course of uh, last season and this season. Um, We're seeing, you know, what Rudiger has to say, uh, who is also abused back in Italy, not just, you know, this is not the first time as a footballer that he's been the subject of of racial abuse and intolerance. Um, It's just a matter of that, you know, we as supporters, we as fans, uh, actually, I will not give Spurs fans a lot of credit, but in general, the amount of outpouring from their supporters about wanting these people out of their club, the same way that, you know, in incidents where one or two morons have given Chelsea a bad name, they have responded the same way, like any civilized human being should be doing, and saying that they don't want their club, they don't want to be associated with it. And that's the type of groundswell that needs to occur to start pushing it forward because it's going to be supporters and it's going to be players and these clubs that do it and ultimately force the FA and these governing bodies to make something happen because they're comfortable sitting back and allowing change to be slow. This is something that change needs to move much, much quicker in because society is not perfect. It's not there you know, in terms of total global equality, but it should be moving quicker than it is today. Yeah. I mean, I would say this too, Brandon, uh, like to me, I, I'm not using this as a stick to beat Spurs over the head with, right. They're not the only club in which this has happened. It happened in the Manchester Derby a couple of weeks ago. It's happened at Chelsea. It's happened everywhere in, in kind of our, our big five European leagues. This Obviously, it's unfortunate that it happened. Um, I thought that it was great that for the first time a PA announcement was used to address the issue in real time. I think that Cesar Espilicueta, Anthony Taylor, both managers, like everyone acted in the right protocol for, for dealing with this today. So I just I think it's crucial that we give appropriate credit to to things happening in a relatively fast manner. Um, you know, it, it just. While, while saying all that, it, it can't. This can't be a thing that we we talk about every six weeks. Uh, it, it can't. It might be, but it can't. And I think again, this isn't a Spurs problem. This is a society problem. So leaving it at that, we have plenty of other things to beat the Spurs fans over the heads with. Lampard's <laughs> point: he will always back his players, but he doesn't even label spurs as racist nor are we right single individuals minority groups are ruining it for the greater good and those are the ones we want to eradicate from the game we love and again we have issues they have issues everyone has issues so let's address it as a team of people looking to make this world better and this sport better so with that being said all right We are happy to engage on this. 
you can go back and listen to our anti-racism, anti-Semitism podcast we did a while ago. Um, we're on record with where we stand. And if you disagree with us, that's your opinion. Go somewhere else because this is what we do. All right. Now we can move on, transition into the match review. So as normal, it was Tottenham in the Premier League at the, I think it's honestly just called Tottenham Hotspur Stadium because they don't have naming rights. It is not White Hart Lane. That is, that is correct. Uh, I believe John Terry said it was still called Three Point Lane, though. Hey. So. <laughs> well, no, it's the uh, the new uh, Three Point Lanes or uh, the new Three Point Stadium. Mm. Well, yeah, boring as hell. Just, you know, just gotta keep up with the naming nomenclature there, Brandon. That's it. Sounds like their problem, not mine. So, anyways, in case you missed it, Chelsea two, Spurs zero. Uh, we are gonna run commentary on these. So, William, in the twelfth minute, let it play. Williams worked it short to Kovacic. Got it back. Up against Aurier. Might fancy a shot here. Williams! Yeah! Oh, what a goal! Brilliant stuff from William. Spurs gave him the room and he punished them. His fourth of the season is a big one. Chelsea ahead with 12 minutes played. And then 45th minute plus four minutes of stoppage time. William from the penalty spot. Deliver it. All right, coming off that victorious high, listening to those back, Dan, we do have a lineup to go through. And what commotion did this lineup? kick up before well, the match. You know, he would be labeled by a un, you know, a unhappy individual as a clone of Antonio Conte, but it was Frank Lampard's uh, 3-4-3 that initially took the t- took the field with Kepa Ripoblaga in goal. You had Antonio Rudiger, Kurt Zuma, and Fakayo Tomori back from injury as our back three. Azpilicueta, Conte, Kovacic and Alonso as a midfield four and none other than William, who we just talked about with those amazing goals, Mason Mount and Tammy Abraham as our front three. And in terms of substitutes, a couple unused subs, including Andreas Christensen, Willie Caballero, Cal Hudson-Odoi and Christian Pulisic. Used substitutes of Jorginho, Mishi Batshuayi and Reese James. And Nick, I think looking at this lineup, I don't think this was a match where I was necessarily anticipating a switch to a back three, but it certainly happened, and it was here. Yeah, we were we were talking about on our last show, like what what little changes might you make uh, for Chelsea's last last few games of the season? And Dan did bring up the the three four three as a potential thing, um, but I, yeah, I didn't think we'd see it today. I mean. A, a one Nick Verlaney uh, on the show tweeted before the match, well then, not my lineup, but then again, I'm not the manager of Chelsea Football Club. Come on, Chelsea. Sure. Um, I, know, yeah. I know it's not Thanksgiving, but that would also be a hashtag, things I'm thankful for. Yeah. Um, I am not. Uh, I am not Chelsea's manager, and Frank, uh, Frank just got it right today. I, I think that's the... 
the end all and be all. This was a absolute masterclass of of a managerial and a, a player performance today. Um, everything worked. Um, it was it was dominant. It was effective. It was efficient at times. It was um, it was really outgoing, attacking football at times. Brandon, I mean, this was. This was something I did not see coming, uh, given the personnel involved. Alonzo back in somehow after six weeks of not. Aspilicueta going back to the right when everyone said he was left for dead. Um, you know, I, I think it's, it was just a, an interesting one. And no Pulisic, no Jorginho uh, from, from the beginning sounded kind of like we were set up for, for a really all-out defensive struggle, and it just wasn't the case. And William on the left. Right. So we hadn't seen him there much this season. And boy, did he look pretty good on that side. Um, weird situations. You you go in with a Kovacic-Kante midfield too, knowing that they're going to have at least three players in the midfield. So you're essentially giving up the midfield battle. But like he said in this post-match, they like to go long. They like to run at you. He felt like having an extra center back was important. And coming off a week ago when we lamented his decision-making and substitutes and not really getting it right, nailed it. Absolutely nailed it. When it came out, I said, look, I think this is going to be 100% a game plan just for Spurs. We're probably not going to really see this that often. Uh, I thought we would sit back and absorb a lot. Let me run you through some statistics. Chelsea with 13 shots, only three on target, which you would hope to be better. Spurs with five shots, only one on target. You're going to have to remind me uh, about that because uh, it's hard to remember. Chelsea would be pretty with, generous right there. Uh-huh. I think that's a little generous. That def- it, it, it was very, very late in the match and when that deflected. actually came. And it just kind of popped to, to Kepa nice and easy. Uh, 56% possession to Spurs 44. That is where I missed my prediction. I thought we would sit in and absorb, but there was nothing to absorb, honestly. Uh, 82% pass accuracy. 11 fouls. Three cautions for us, four to Spurs, zero red cards, which I never talk about, but there was one for Tottenham. It was an interesting battle. Danny, look at the expected goals here. It's pretty low. Obviously, the penalty skews a little bit, but not much between the teams, statistically. Well, the expected goal of 0.3 for Tottenham, 0.5 for Chelsea, plus one for the penalty and yeah, you can see that we definitely have more shots. There was the, a couple that if they had just been pulled a little bit earlier, we could have pulled and release a little bit sooner instead of our ticky tacky try to walk it in the back of the net situation would have definitely maybe had a much higher conversion and much higher kind of end total. But at the end of the day, it's it's a win. It's three points. It's against Tottenham. It feels fucking amazing. And I want to talk about more of it. So can we, can we get there? Can we do that, Brandon? Please, there's, there's please. plenty going into please. it. So, again, we're going to kind of run through it as the game happened. I know we already gave you the top line stuff. That's just context to set the scene. Uh, that's just the stuff that Nick contractually makes us talk about. Otherwise, he won't appear on the show. So, right. yeah, we'll, we'll get into the fluff stuff, as he likes to call it. <laughs> All right, let's talk about the start leading up to the goal. Chelsea came out of the gate strong. We had a chance to see how Lampard wanted... His switch to the 3-4-3 to go. Maybe you want to call it 3-4-2-1, whatever. Uh, Nick, how did you feel Chelsea approached the match in the opening minutes? Uh, this this was a cruise. 
It was an absolute cruise. Chelsea were by far the better passing team. They had by far the better tempo and rhythm. Uh, They controlled the game from the out. They did not give in uh, to silly tactical fouling. They didn't give in to, um, you know, kind of some dark arts. Uh, It was a clinical dominant performance that, um, you know, I, I just, I frankly didn't see coming. Um, I, I, you know, kind of given the, the, the recent bit of form, Dan, um, you know, I, I expected us to be a little bit cautious coming out of the gate and it just turned out that, um, instead of being cautious, Chelsea just took it to Spurs for the better part of 90 minutes. And especially in the first half, just decided to go out and dominate. Well, one of the first matches in a very, very long time where we've had a full week to prepare. It was a match where Fakayo Tomori comes back from full, up back into full fitness. You have Alonzo coming back, who hasn't played at all, who should be absolutely ready to give a full 90. And he loves the score against Tottenham, as we know. He definitely marked an appearance when we had our first match in the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. So he was ready. You saw... Rudiger still kind of getting back to his full fitness and then getting some of our players who've just put in absolute shifts this season and William and Tammy and Mount Conte uh, Kovacic all getting a full week's rest that makes a huge difference and I think what we saw is the result of that rest and a desire just by Frank setting up and saying like we want the ball and we're going to go score and that desire like there were so many more brandon two-man presses on a player to close down the player in this match than i think we've seen over maybe the last three or four matches that we've had in the premier league where we just had a level of quickness to how we were kind of closing down how we were working it down and we really i think the game plan was like don't let tottenham sit on the ball like don't let tottenham have the ball for too long force them to make a decision you know a bad decision and we ultimately did that and, and took advantage to win. Right. I think that was the Pulisic decision. Obviously, he can press. Mount just does it differently. And I think Mount's a little more comfortable on the ball in tight spaces, whereas Christian probably likes to be a little bit out wide, maybe have some space. So I think that was a strategic or tactical decision, bringing in Mount for that. It, it worked. I mean... I texted you guys. I don't know when it was in the matches of flipping blur. The academy boys were up for it, right? As you saw, and so like they're leading. They're leading by example of the tempo that they wanted to play and take it to Tottenham. And it was fantastic to see. Um, you know, obviously we get to the goal here, Nick, 13th minute. Chad immediately looks at me, goes after celebrating widely. Oh, we scored too early. Here we go. Good old Men and Blazers quote for you guys. And uh, it didn't matter. We watched back that goal. Uh, short corner. It comes off an absolutely unforced error by Serge Aurier. He just literally heads it out of bounds by himself. We play short. Wayne gets some space. Gives him the old floppy foot. Give him the dangle. Push it to the inside and smashes it home. Far post side netting. Goalkeeper no chance. I mean, your reaction to that goal. Uh, we've seen him do that exact thing uh, a handful of times at Chelsea. I mean, this is, I think he relishes playing on the left. Um, I, I think he relishes being able to cut in on a strong foot. 
and be able to to curl that ball across the face. And I, I think he he looked different today to me than maybe any other time this season. And that's of course not to say that he is um, he's had a a poor year. He's a, he's actually had a very good year. But he just looked like he was on a different level today, Dan. And I know that you're going to read out his his stat card here. But um, upon the eye test, I mean, it, it just looked like he was a little extra quick. It looked like he had his dribbles more under control than, than maybe even at previous times in the season. He just looked like a, a leader out there today and did not did not look afraid of the moment at all. Well, if you're a fan of, of numerology and just what the – number 10 shirt typically means absolutely 100 1 million percent worthy of being the 10 on the day for the 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 shift that he put in and just to again top line stat wise 90 percent pass accuracy 77 touches 54 passes five chances created two shots on target two goals one interception one tackle one foul one he was just all over the place yeah i think i've I've said this before about you know when conte has a really good game that occasionally if it was a murder scene like his fingerprints would be all over it you know the dna (laughs) evidence would be there and he would be he would be in in sitting in jail like the you know before they even started investigating the crime scene because it'd be so open and shut william was that way today brandon it was an open and shut case that he was the best player out of all 22 plus substitutes who were on the pitch today Okay, can you asterisk that and give us your clause? Like, be consistent, Dan. Two goals wasn't two goals in the book of Dan. Yeah, Dan. <laughs> huh? Huh? Fr- Freaking Dan over here. Jeez. Well, Anti penalty, Dan. <laughs> Actually, I, I, I think, I think Alonzo ends up getting a goal if uh, he doesn't get. Uh... Get absolutely trucked leading up to it, which, <laughs> which uh, we should we'll talk get a about ahead of ourselves, obviously the penalty, uh, but. Anyways, uh, but but William. I, I think the, the the one thing that we we also should comment on is just the fact that we had a corner routine that worked. Like we actually we took a short corner and we put it into a position and we created this massive lane for William to run into and take that shot. Like maybe we can't beat the first man when it comes to kicking corners in all the time, but maybe we could try some more short corners because that worked for us. It did. It it worked perfectly. I wonder if that was a Spurs thing that they had recognized, or if that is you know something they're just trying to rectify because it is so poor right now. Uh, but anyways, continuing down the timeline of the match, right? So, um, you know, 13th minute he gets his goal. It immediately gets chippy, right? All of a sudden, Spurs need to react, so they react with physicality. They react with fouling. Um, yeah, like that through the end of the half, Nick. I mean, you had uh, Dyer going in on Mount. Mount got him back though. Good ups on Mason. I have. I hate when players try to injure other players, right? Because I've been injured. I someone broke my leg, but they know how to do it, right? So Dyer goes in late on on Mount and catches him studs up on the top of his foot. Mount knows what he's doing. He didn't go in high. He just went in and knew that he would do the same thing and scrape the top of his foot. And it would be, it just, it hurts so much. But it's not career ending. And Mountain did it. And look, if you want to say that I'm wrong, that's fine. I understand that there is 
that side to it, uh, but it's kind of gamesmanship in these matches. But Nick, like I said, it got fiery. It got testy. I love seeing the reaction. Rudiger putting in flying tackles, uh, stepping in hard. Like I said, the Academy boys having none of it, getting stuck in themselves. But it happened. It like Levels increased. Uh, yeah, it, 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 it did not reach a battle of the bridge um, level of, of red card absurdity, but it certainly was physical. It certainly had an edge to it, and it felt like a quote-unquote proper London Derby. Um, it, it felt like these two teams didn't like each other very much, <laughs> which is what? okay. Is okay with me. Um, no, scene, no, no, no. Yeah. Same. It just, it felt great. Um, and, and I think it, it felt great, especially Dan to me, because there have been times this season where, you know, Chelsea have played such attractive football with such, you know, uh, up and coming bright English stars and all this kind of stuff where I think the storyline has maybe taken a little edge out of their game a little bit. Um, and today they were fully ready, uh, swords and shields headed into battle and it, it just looked and felt right. Well, rough, rough and tumble. You know, they, we were, we were looking to knock some heads and we were looking to play our game to play smart, but not back down when they were puffing their chest out a little bit. And, you know, I think you might've said earlier that we, we didn't necessarily engage in some of the dark arts, but, I think Mason was doing a really good job today on on Dyer initially and then for Tongan later of just putting in some really, you know, for a guy with a smaller frame, some some physical kind of elements to his game that he pulled off today that, you know, different from maybe Christian, who, again, has maybe struggled to kind of have some of that retention, um, get maybe dispossessed a little bit easier. Mount did a really, really nice job of maintaining the ball in some really tight positions, winning the ball back quite frequently and, and shadowing Tammy appropriately. Like th- there was a point where, you know, Mason would just find himself in space and he could kind of push the ball forward and yeah, loved it. Loved the way that we got up for the game. Loved the fact that we wanted to go toe to toe. And the moment they started puffing out their chests, like we were going back blow for blow on it. And not in the way to make it again that battle of the bridge style of just you know going completely out of hand, but smart enough Brandon to kind of put us in a position where they knew we weren't going to back down either. But we have before, right? Like right, we've done that, and that's why I was so excited. And like, you know, I you forget what Rudiger brings, right? He brings. He is looking forward to just fucking with Kane all match. He yep. is looking forward to that battle. And, like, he'll take it. He knows he'll give it, and he'll take it. And he's fine with with the how the on-field kind of duels go. He's fine with it. Um, and, he, like, look, even Zuma got nasty with Kane. And I think that's what we lose without Rudiger and we forgot about is because look fix not really like that Zuma hasn't been like that this season Rudiger brought another element to it and you need that you need that it's not nasty but he's gonna go flying in hard so that a defender or an attacker doesn't even have a chance to win the ball he's gonna just essentially manhandle a striker and make them realize that they have no chance and they should just give up now I missed it I loved it from him thought the team yeah I thought the team took a lot of like 
they took pay, a page out of his book, right? He he was like, here's what we're going to do. Here's how we're going to react. And everyone got in line. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I think to, to parlay that point, um, you know, early on in the first half, you saw uh, Son and Kane get into really good positions. But um, because of the uh, of the wall of, of uh, Zuma and Rudiger and Tamori, Dan, um, Tottenham had nothing going offensively throughout basically the entire match. They had a couple of crosses. They had, you know, a couple of, of shots that went over. Harry Kane was basically absent. A really, you know, a, a really kind of informed Deli Ali was was absent, uh, except for karate kicking Mateo Kovacic. Um, this this back line after after really being poor the last couple of weeks if we're just being honest uh, really showed up to play today big big time obviously Kane we let him slip in the box he skied it uh he actually played a fantastic ball to San on the back post um but again Asby just did enough he he put his wide as well overall though for Tottenham to only get one shot on target, they were throwing their bodies in front of the ball, and it was brilliant for them. I was just so so impressed with that. So, uh, it, it was great. It was it was really great to see that we could stitch together a coherent defensive performance. First away clean sheet in the Premier League this season for us. Geez, just, about just, that. Just something to keep in mind that we are. Uh, you know, hours, you know, 48 hours at this point, you know, or less before Christmas. Uh, it is now <laughs> the first away Premier League clean sheet that we've gotten. And it was with three at the back versus a high-scoring Tottenham coached by Jose Mourinho. I, that that would not have been the game that I would have put money on at the beginning of the season to be the match that we would have gotten our first away clean sheet at. But I'm going to take it. Yeah. All right. Quick break. We have so much more to cover Kovacic and Deli Alley getting into it. Um, halftime, the penalty, <laughs> so, so much more. Anyways, thank you to the sponsor for supporting our show financially. Much more when we return. All right. So, continuing on in the physicality, uh, we had a nice little 1v1 tussle with Kovacic uh, and Deli Alley. Obviously, um, it was a weird situation. Right, it ended up where Deli Ali jumped to get out of the way of something, it ended up on Kovacic's back. It didn't end well. Got some pushing, some shoving. Kane got to stick his form across Kovacic's face without getting reprimanded because he's England's golden boy. Anyways, any sarcasm in that, Brandon? A little bit. I feel bad for okay. our English fan friends that have to watch Harry Kane play for Spurs. It's got to be the most frustrating thing ever. Um, uh, it's it's going to be really exciting when uh, Tammy Abraham, new golden boy, uh, becomes the starting striker for England. Best case scenario. Eh? Anyways, a uh, bit of a tussle, Nick. It was, I, I saw it happening as the camera panned away, and then the players kind of stopped, and you're like, oh, something happened. Quick, pan the camera, go back, go back. Uh, and we only got the end of it, but holy shit, Kovacic was fired up. Yeah, and, you can and to tell. To be fair, was, real quick, Deli Ali wasn't fired up. He's just being his little bitchy self. Yeah, well, he, he's just the guy. He's the guy on that team that I just love to hate the most. You know, like 
I don't really hate Harry Kane. I don't, you, you can't, you know, I think it's written in law that you can't hate um, Hung Min Son, uh, you know, based on his <laughs> smiling. Are you um, sure about that? That's, look, that's just the way the law is written, Dan. Um, otherwise, uh, Deli Alley's your perfect, your perfect uh, foil, your perfect um, kind of negative impact. And, it it just looked like an awkward fall, and then it looked like Delhi kind of rode him down and then pushed him to get up. And look, man, I don't want to make too many assumptions about Mateo Kovacic, but I I don't think that he's he's uh he's one that will back down from a fight. <laughs> I think I think this is a guy Dan that perhaps in his life has been involved in a few scraps. You know, I'm not going to go into that, but I will say that I think Deli Alley is someone who should maybe stick to the aquatics that he displayed later in the match and go off to the Olympic Stadium and stop trying to, uh, you know, kind of kick it around as a footballer. Because th- this clearly is not going to end well for him and his career if he discontinues this uh, this style of play where he tries to play the victim and he puts himself in these situations where you know, he he is kind of instigating against a lot of players who, uh, you know, like Kovacic in this moment, um, I would trust more to be able to, uh, to finish what's getting started. But, you know, the, again, uh, to the points we were making earlier, this was just another example of the caginess of this match, a little bit of the back and forth and the fact that every player really on both sides, uh, you know, is committed to at least giving a hundred percent of their effort in these moments Maybe not 100% of their effort on the Spurs size for all the footballing elements of the match, but uh, yeah, that, that's that's why we won. Hmm. I think I have uh, okay. putting putting my money on Kovacic. Uh, yeah. Go ahead and uh, just uh, send that to Vegas. Let's get that money cashed in because uh, that would be an easy one. Uh, but anyways, this is kind of a continuation of the feistiness that we saw uh, unfortunately for Kovacic, that's probably the reason he got subbed off later in the match. Um, but anyways, uh, as we get in uh, to the continuation, um, you know, we're, we're riding high. I was ready for halftime. I was like, all right, let's go. Let's get into the dressing room up one nothing. Let's take the good vibes. Let's not let anything happen. And then out of nowhere, a long ball a lot to Alonzo, who loves scoring against Tottenham. Uh, he was getting, by the way, jeered real hard by the Tottenham fans in this match. Anyways, Alonso goes through. Gazaniga just decides to, for some reason, not use his hands. He has built a career making millions of dollars a year using his hands. And he decides to kung fu kick at a ball five and a half feet in the air. To which Anthony Taylor called the penalty or a foul on Alonso for running into said kung fu kick. <laughs> it was the most ridiculous couple seconds. I, I couldn't believe that it, it looked like a scene out of a Mortal Kombat made-for-TV movie. And then you're I'm like, okay, well, that's a penalty. And then Anthony Taylor's like, no, nah, dog. That ain't no. a penalty. That's <laughs> a foul on your guy. What the? Like, to which this is, had me pulling my hair out. This is worst-case scenario for Anthony Taylor because obviously he went to VAR. And we all know that it obviously went to penalty, right? So not only did VAR, which normally air, airs on the referee's side because good old boys club, not trying to throw anyone under the bus, c- 
completely thrown under the bus, Nick. No, there's no, <laughs> no room I mean, for Anthony Taylor in this one because not only was it not a foul on Alonzo, it was a penalty kick and a caution for Gazaniga. Complete opposite. Yeah, I mean, look, I, I'm glad. I'm glad for VAR in this moment that I was able to get it right. But the immediate and exasperated uh, pleas of Tammy Abraham and Fakayo Tamori and Frank Lampard and Cesaris Pilqueta and Marcus Alonso uh, sh- told you all you needed to know. I mean, even Jose Mourinho after the match <laughs> was was uh more than happy to admit that it was a penalty. I mean, it, it just it was so it was so stupid and so wrong. I don't even know what he could have been looking at because they showed his like vantage point looking at the at the um at the play and he there was no obstruction there. It's not like anything came across or blocked his view. He, he just got it wrong. Uh and and again, I am okay. I'm okay if a referee gets it wrong and then relatively quickly VAR is able to make it right and it's all good. That's what the whole thing is supposed to be there for. Um, but, man, like the commentary in Arlo White, who is, who is usually, I think, as uh, as level-headed as, as, a, as, a, um, mm-hmm. as an analyst can be, was like, surely... This is a penalty. <laughs> Just sure, if like I'm sure. Wrong, he was so, he was so polite and proper now. about it. Yeah. <laughs> I will eat this shoe if this is not a penalty. Um, yeah, it was it was absurd. And and then again, Dan Willian uh, putting in you know while while not captain on the field, a captain's level performance today uh, goes and buries the penalty after an incredibly awkward run up. <laughs> the best part of this penalty wasn't. Wasn't the Gazaniga element? It wasn't Alonzo earning it. It wasn't Williams' conversion of it. Wasn't even the players celebrating it. Wasn't even any of our people celebrating it. It was the fact that in the video of Frank Lampard celebrating and cheering, (laughs) you see Mourinho doing a Charlie Brown walk into the tunnel, head down, shaken, and just. With Frank in front of in the front part of the screen, you catch the little Where's Waldo moment of Mourinho, and it is just delicious. Oh, it was so good! It's the best thing I've tasted in weeks. Uh, I mean, look, Mourinho loves a good early halftime exit. This was massive, obviously, for many a reason. And look, VAR. We'll talk about VAR again very soon. Clearly. We have been banking bullshit VAR for some good VAR today, and it worked. And Double punch day. Look, I, if I'm Tottenham, I'm pissed because every single VAR decision went against them. Like, the penalty late in the game was not a penalty, and they're all right decisions. But Tottenham's probably pissed because they're never all right decisions. Like, how did VAR get every decision <laughs> right today? And they all went against them. But look, I'm going to laugh about it because... Not my problem, and that's kind of where I, we're at. I I did like I did like Dan's tweet about uh, Chelsea agreed. cashing in all of our loyalty points today. Uh, that was that was pretty good. I I don't like to give Dan credit for for tweets, but that was that was super good. I saw that come across the screen. Yeah, it's it's very true. It, it reminds me of the time in my, in college. My roommate used to work at Subway, 
and he had all the stamps. You remember the stamps you got for <laughs> oh, the subway yeah. cards? And occasionally he would come home with like, you know, 50 of them. So we're like, cool, we've got, you know, lunch for the rest of the week. And that's why that program that's what we didn't did. last. <laughs> <laughs> all right, cool. So uh, halftime, done, boom, great. It was amazing. Um, we come back out and again, Chelsea in control into the second half. And I think what's crazy about that, Dan, is that it doesn't always happen. Usually if a team is dominant going in the first half, I know the commentators saying Marino was just chirping the whole match, trying to get all these different um, instructions to his team. Clearly they aren't drilled into it, into them yet. You think halftime, he's going to make adjustments. This is what Mourinho does. He said post-match that they weren't surprised by this formation. Bullshit. Like, Tottenham were paralyzed. They were just deer on ice at the beginning because they didn't know what to do with that lineup. So I was assuming, all right, here we go, halftime. We're probably going to lose some momentum. We're up to nothing. We're going to have to ride the wave for a little bit. really wasn't that way, was it? No, I think actually watching it, back i felt so comfortable after the start of halftime more so than maybe any match so far this season where we were just we were cruising it looked good we still had high tempo we were still pressing them they weren't finding any type of continuity with the passing that they were putting together and credit to to tammy to william to mount up top the way that they were playing Conte winning the balls back uh, kovacic maybe not his, his best game of the year but still offering tons in the midfield and i i just i was shocked i would i was generally shocked nick that we were able to maintain that type of continuity where we have struggled to do that this season and considering it's away to a club that thinks you know that we're you know we're their biggest rival they might not be ours but they think that way uh small club mentality and yeah we we kept it in a really tense situation i, I made a credit to the halftime talk i think maybe yeah I, I agree i mean i i i was a little nervous heading into the second half because i think we played so well in the first half that i wasn't sure that we could replicate it and to be fair i don't think we really did but it was still a really good second half performance, um, something that I'm, I'm proud of, and you know, only aided Brandon by the fact that uh, we were playing against uh, ten men for a little bit, huh? Right, but I mean, a lot happened before then. Tammy gets in, right? He had a chance. He's offside. Um, you know, Tammy had a great day. He didn't get his goal. Yep. He, you know, it was offsides. Missed some other chances. Look, took a cross literally in the kisser, right? I mean, he put in the work until he got subbed off and Mishi went in. Um, again, on the stat sheet, probably didn't do much, but to the eye test, he, I thought, was fantastic. He, he terrorized the Spurs defense. They're vets. The, the reason, Those are veteran the, defenders, Dan. Yeah. Yeah, the reason why... William was finding the space. The reason why Mount was getting into dangerous positions was Abraham was absorbing one plus another defender pretty much the entirety of the time, making great runs, going back when necessary. He just really only missing a goal, Nick, for that to be a complete striker performance. And to see him doing it, we haven't seen it always against the top, 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 top teams of the Premier League yet. 
but I think this is going to go back. And there's some highlight highlight real elements he in this match for him, just not a goal. Yeah, I mean his hold up play was was outstanding today. Um, oh, ooh. his it, ball to Mason Mount was delightful, oh, Nick. Delightful. Oh. Uh, the fact that Mason didn't rip a shot there. <laughs> Oh, he Tammy had to just be giving him shit in the locker room at halftime because that thing was perfectly weighted. Yeah. I mean, it was it was, ah, uh, yeah, super frustrating. But uh, his hold up play was outstanding. He he allowed and you know especially because I think one of the things we haven't talked about is Chelsea did not try and play out of the back today. Um, that was a, a kind of significant change from from previous matches. Is uh, Keppel went long and and more often than not this time Brandon found uh, William on the on the left or found Tammy up top or found Mason on the right and we were able to move the ball effectively and surpass their kind of crowded midfield of you know Sissoko and Dyer and and the like so it it was a it, that was a small tactical adjustment too that that I thought ended up playing really well and then Tammy was able to. Uh, control the ball and bring the attack up to him, which I think uh, just helped everything go. It was that those are the days you just want your striker to put in a shift, and he did, and he delivered, and it was he did what the team needed of him, not what he needed to do on his own. It was a team effort, or he put the team before self, and especially with big name strikers, you don't always get that. Right, they want the ball. They need service. He put in a hell of a shift, especially chasing him down and putting him under pressure, getting his foot stuck in there. Uh, it was fantastic. Then fifty fifth minute, um, or I'm sorry. So then we get into the sixty second minute ish, uh, and all of a sudden, Hyungmin Sun's nicest guy in the world title takes a bit of a hit. All right. Um, is very innocuous. They came together, deal with it, but he kicked out at Rudiger. I mean, like, there's no way around it. We all saw it, especially watching NBC stream because they showed it about seven times in a row. Uh, And there's no excuse for it. Like, his whole poor me, referee Anthony Taylor, like, why are you even looking? I didn't do anything. Like, guys, just turn it off. Don't worry about it. You know me. I've got a great track record. It wasn't my fault that he broke his ankle. Like, give me a break. Andre Gomez. You you fucked up. Like, you had a lapse in judgment. Tempers were high. And you can't do that. And, you know, Marino's whole shtick of, oh, I hope Rudiger recovers speed. Fuck that. It's intent. It's all about intent. And if you do that and lash out towards a player, which, by the way, Though that grazed his ribs. That could not have felt good for Rudiger. But the fact is you had intent. You did it. No no questions. Yet it took 17 minutes to, to happen. Hey, wait, wait, wait. Hey, so you're telling me that Son wasn't actually trying to cushion Rudiger from his fall by pushing his feet <laughs> upward into his body to give him a, a less of a fall? According to VAR, no, Dan. That's, that's, that's what I thought it was. I, I mean, how... I mean, Sons is such a nice guy. I he mean, was. he, you know, ever since he doesn't doesn't accidentally break people's legs or you know try to do kind of nefarious things. I mean, what what happened? What happened to this wonderful cherubic individual, Nick, who just apparently only has the most wonderful holy things that he can kind of do? 
I don't know what happened. Yeah, I'm trying to think of like from like a sitcom perspective what what like a really bad son would be in in a show. Like I've recently been watching Shit's Creek and like it's just it, it's so good. It's so funny to me. Um but yeah, look, this this was dumb. I like and and I don't look, I I don't know if he I don't know if he really meant it like f- you know, physically or if it was just something where he was trying to get one in, just a quick one. Um, but it, the problem with that now in in VAR is that there's an angle for everything. And especially when you're doing something that is not a natural movement in your, in your, you know, kind of fall or roll or whatever, you don't, you don't kick up as your tries are rolling over. It just, it doesn't make any sense. And then that on top of the fact of where he ended up kicking, which is like the mid rift area. Um, now, do I think that that Rudiger is, is ultimately severely hurt because of this? No. Do I think that this incident is exactly what spurned on a lot of the racist stuff that happened after? Yeah. Oh, big time. 100%. Um, so, so, you know, it does have a huge impact and, um, you know, I, I think it, it was, a relatively soft red card personally, but that's the law of the game and you can't do it. And red cards have been shown for, for equal offenses in the past and they will hopefully be shown for that kind of stuff in the future. I would say the only thing about this that bum, uh, it was, was bum me out is just how long it took, you know, with the, Alonzo one went, went much quicker. The Deli Alley one went much quicker. This one took the longest out of the three VAR checks. And there needs to be a, I mean, you want to get it right. And like, that's the whole point of having VAR, but there needs to be a desire to kind of say, look, we want to within 30 seconds or less with all the people we have in this booth, we want to try to get it right and get it quick so that we are, 99% certain we got the right answer, but if you could shave off 30 to 40 seconds in getting this done, that would be a way to bridge the gap between where the frustration I'm sure lies with those away supporters. I mean, not not ours today because they were loving every moment of getting to be there and chant at the, at the Tottenham supporters with all the amazing songs and credit to them for creating a wonderful atmosphere. But Boy, oh boy, like that, that is the issue for me is that VAR has to be quicker in the way it works to get it right, Brandon. I don't know what you're complaining about. Eight minutes of stoppage time and a half where there are no goals scored or significant injuries. Modern football. <laughs> Sounds Dan. about right. Modern football. Yep. All right. I, I get it, though. I understand the sentiment. I agree. I think they're just, it's still, so if I, get, if I were to give them the benefit of the doubt, right, here's the only thing I can come up with. They just want to make sure because it's so new, they're building confidence. Like sending off a Tottenham player is a massive ripple effect in this match. They're already down to nothing. Already gave Chelsea rightfully a penalty. There's the human side of, I have to be sure. Like, because I know BBC, Sky, NBC, and all the other regional broadcasters are going to slow it down and watch it over and over. And if we're wrong... We are screwed. And then we got to hear Mourinho complaining. You know what I'm saying? Like there's consequences. And I can appreciate that they acknowledge that there are consequences to these decisions. But to your point, 
it has to go faster. So I'm hoping after a year of doing it, maybe a second year, they're going to have more confidence to make the right decisions and make them quicker. But it was a lot of standing around today. They used the entire two hours of broadcast time. That is for sure. Um, kind of weird. The rest of the match just kind of happened. Chelsea were pretty comfortable. Um, I think Tottenham had their last chance towards the end of the match. We had that almost non-penalty call. But, I mean, am I missing something? I mean, it just kind of happened. I, I actually, in the second half, I got to watch with the Milwaukee Blues Shout out. I've got their scarf over here if you're watching on YouTube. Um, and so we were talking the whole second half and reacting things. The second half went really fast for me, and I, I wasn't too concerned. Was that the same for you guys, or did you see it differently? Yeah. Yeah, I think so. I mean, w- once we kind of hit the 75th minute, it was just very clear that Spurs were not going to come back into the match. And. You know, I think you're always kind of nervous at 2-0, Dan. But um, to to me, when they started walking around, it was basically like forfeit. And that that last eight minutes of, of stoppage time was an eternity. Chelsea could have scored twice in that eight minutes. <laughs> like, people forget. Like, N'Golo Conte had a ball put on a plate for him that he just somehow, you know, decided to cut back and didn't shoot. Um but yeah, it was just, it felt very uh, inevitable. There was a comment that I really enjoyed where someone talked about the fact that they didn't know Frank Lampard was a vet because Tottenham got neutered today. And that, that clearly <laughs> came to fruition from the 60th, 65th minute forward. There was really no fight left in in them at all. Like they basically had to walk away head in hands and just say like we, we we blew it we had we had maybe a chance at some point in this match maybe but they just weren't set up for it so yeah three-point stadium it's here we're there we're going there once a season at least three points guaranteed every time i'm trying to uh pull up the tweet you had uh on the podcast yeah yeah, yeah. so right here and it was good i'd kind of said something similar not <laughs> Not Two to shout you guys. Outs. All right. So like, it, I'm just saying this because like you and I were on the same wavelength, Dan. Uh, so a tweet from at London Blue Pod, pod uh, ten minutes from time, ten hours from time of recording. Pretty shoddy craftsmanship for the Tottenham Stadium to already be crumbling like this. <laughs> uh, well, the the whole thing did kind of collapse. Um, Wasn't great, Bob. My, my, I think my favorite tweet of the day about Tottenham and as they were kind of throwing their cups out onto the pram is um, Dan Dan did uh, put this in our text thread that I think it was something to the effect of uh, Tottenham shouldn't be throwing cups out or something like that. Like can't afford to be throwing them away. Yes, yeah, totally. Like as as if as if they have a bunch of cups to to just willy nilly toss out. Um, so that was pretty good. It, it was just, it was a comprehensive, dominant, wonderful, absolutely incredible performance. And I am so proud of this team for showing up big this week. It's, I mean, you know, this this match had more meltdowns than the entire Chernobyl miniseries. So that also was going for it, too. Hey, I watched that just one really, one. Just, That was impactful, all right? You, you be careful, sir. <laughs> Lives were affected. Uh, it was, look, Tottenham was... I'm still smiling. Like I've never been happier cleaning at work in my life, but that's what I did today. I had to clean the facility, just needed it. Didn't care. 
Nothing could ruin my day. It was great. So match concludes. Celebrations at Three Point Stadium. Huge from Lampard. Huge from the team. Uh, I mean, the elation that just erupted. Uh, That's when the care bombs were poured at Brits, where I was. Uh, I could not partake because I had to go to work. So I just finished off the rest of their Carabao. Um, Yum. Yeah. Is, uh, you know, just being friendly. <laughs> Didn't want to, you know, not partake in anything. You, you think you think Frank liked that one, did you? Oh, my gosh. I mean, he <laughs> threw his coat in. I thought he was going to keep going. Here's my jacket. Here's, uh, Chug a couple beers <laughs> yeah. from the stands. You know, not a big deal. That That was it. Uh, so, look, a ton of reaction on both sides from Marino and Lampard. Uh, listeners, I know we're running long, but there's things to talk about. So, uh, Dan, we'll let you do the little media row rundown, starting with a great friend of the pod, uh, Liam Toomey. Yeah, uh, in the ground, on the in the press room afterwards, and you know, a couple, you know, I was going to pull out one or two that I think were funny. Uh, Mourinho with his comment that you referenced earlier, Rudiger is for sure having scan on scans on broken ribs because it was a really violent incident in some countries in my country. We call them clever players, but in this country, the country I fell in love with, we call them something else. I can't, I can't even read it without laughing. Um, yeah, he just... You know, for me, it's not a red card. If you went to every person in this room, someone say yes, someone say no, and that's not for VAR. The penalty for VAR, that's a clear and obvious mistake. Uh, he said that they were superior, uh, talking about Chelsea, but the goals are resu- not a result of any superiority. One is a short corner and one is a penalty. The goals came on mistakes, which is another fair and accurate statement. And I think the one that Nick Frank Lampard got maybe a little bristled by, according to Liam, was that Reno saying they were better than us in the first half. They played in a system they were very comfortable with. A system they played for two years under Antonio Conte. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, th- this... It's what... Brandon and I have a little bit of disagreement on this on. And it's it's just my mentality. Once Mourinho left and started coaching for United, I, I wrote him out in my brain. None of these quotes affect me at all. I don't care. I know exactly the game that he plays, and that quote specifically about Antonio Conte is just beautiful Mourinho. I mean, that is the thing that he always does. He like he could say we're superior, he could say the penalty was right, and then he's going to come in, Brandon, with a little dig at the end, and I'm just, I pay it no mind. It is what it is. I've already seen it from the inside. I know what it looks like from the outside. It does not bother me. Yeah, so for those of you not watching on YouTube um, or Instagram TV or wherever, uh, I've been wearing a scarf all episode, and it's kept me very warm. Let me go ahead and show you on the screen what it says. (laughs) Ah, Look at you, the special one. It says the special one. And it even has, and I'm putting it on the camera, so you need to go to our video feeds to show it. Okay. Like, I actually, I sent these to all these guys when Mourinho left because the Megastore had them on clearance for, like, five bucks. So we bought them. Um, oh it's got Mourinho's face on it. It's got his name on it. It says the special one. It has kept me warm this entire episode because I'm sitting here in Minnesota. And it's, like, 32 degrees. I'm sitting by a window. This, whew, 
This kept me warm the entire episode. I'm basking in it. Nick pays no attention. What is the fun in that if we can't go back and listen to his nonsense and now say, what a joke. This is silly. You're saying stupid things. You don't really believe. Yet we ate out of that hand for how many years and backed him and believed it. But it's different now. We have Frank freaking Lampard. And he had, quote, Stan, counteract. Frank got stuck in. Let's go. Yeah, he uh, he indicated in response to that comment that he is not a clone to anyone's system. He also talked about the fact that he hadn't, at the time, had a chance to speak to Rudiger about the alleged chance, but he supports him, which we referenced earlier. Uh, and then he said that at the end that he'll always respect Mourinho, but both of them really, really wanted to beat one another. So today feels so good. And that super, super Frank, super Frankie Lampard got it done on the day, took the three points, came up with a plan to make it happen. And like we've all said, it's just been beaming smiles, walking on sunshine, and everything is rainbows and lollipops and unicorns, and it's wonderful. Okay, so that's a wrap. We're good? Oh, okay. All right, right, sorry. We'll finish up. Uh, Just a smidge more. Just a smidge. Nick, you want to react to Super Frankie Lampard there? Uh, look, uh, Frank said all that he needed to say as he was fist pumping uh, the away fans after, and and I uh, I'm very excited to see George Benson's uh, match day vlog. It's and, fantastic. Yeah, I haven't I haven't watched it yet, but um, but I would encourage everyone to because it, to me to see the passion after the penalty went in, see the passion after the match. Frank didn't need to give one quote today. Everyone knows how he felt about this. He, I think, one, needed to win this game because we'd been on a four out of five uh, losing streak, which isn't acceptable. Um, and then the other part is he wanted to beat Mourinho really bad, and uh, it showed. I mean, he, you know, Frank pulled a absolute master class out, should be given all the credit in the world for, for what he's done today. And I think... Uh, on the NBC coverage specifically, was given all, a lot, a lot, a lot of praise, and that uh, that is awesome. It's just really good for him. I, it's just, I mean, I just, I'm basking, I'm reveling in it. Look, Lampard came to the fans twice. Like he couldn't get enough of that, uh, and he just taken like Spurs new stadium, Mourinho. He talked about it after the match how much. Having Mourinho well, on the sideline next to him, like you can't ignore it, right? Mourinho made him was a huge reason that Lampard became one of the best players in the world. You can't ignore that fact, right? That's his no. mentor, and he wants nothing more than to take it to him. And this started back in the in the pre match comp in the press conferences, right? Mourinho says, "I am Tottenham. I'm also Chelsea and Real Madrid and Inter Milan and." Porto, but right now I'm I'm 100% Tottenham. Lampard, hey, uh, mate, you ever gonna take the Tottenham job? Fuck no. I'm reading between the lines and paraphrasing, but that's essentially what he said, Nick. <laughs> are, are you sure on the paraphrasing there? <laughs> it's pretty um, close. Good, good screen read there, Brandon. Yeah, I mean, look, it's again to me, Frank and Jody after the match. Jody, birthday boy, Jody Morris today. Happy 41st, um, sir. Yeah, not a bad birthday. Um, it, it's you could see they were 
they did they they did not cover their mouths like most people do when they know they're on camera. Um, it was just very obvious the smug nature of the conversation that was being had there, Dan. And um, I was all in. Well, what I really enjoyed was the people who were bringing back up the Jody Morris crying in reaction to the Mourinho comments on Sky about being concerned about Chelsea before, like, what, a week before or two weeks before taking the Tottenham job. And those things getting brought back into the information sphere was was perfect timing. It was, it was so wonderful. And, it, yeah. This shit I, I mean, doesn't get any sweeter. Can't, just get, can't get enough. I just, I've been basking in it all day. I wanted to talk to my old coworker and see if we want to get on IG Live and have a little discussion. Look, I I feel bad for the Spurs supporters. I was listening to BBC Five Live. Um, Mourinho out. Oh, everyone. Uh, to be fair, one guy was like, I never wanted him. So you can understand why he's Mourinho out because he didn't care before. He's like, we've in in four weeks, we've already regressed under Pochettino. We were playing expansive football. Now we knock it long. Harry Kane is... Uh, is uh, just a, a target for to knock it down for Deli Alley, and if that doesn't work, we're screwed. I mean, Christensen, Erickson came off the bench. Like what? Harry Winks is done for. All these Tottenham fans are just losing their minds, and I thought it was funny. Um, and look, this is what you get, right? Yeah, you had a little bit of success. But not really. You really haven't had that much success. And today was a huge, huge day uh, for the table. Um, and I'm going to pause before we get to the table. Because, Dan, if I didn't give you your moment for the most <laughs> successful Dan in the Match poll in the history of Dan in the Match polls, that would be, that'd be on me. I'd feel bad. Are you saying successful because... It- there was like only one comment about someone saying that there should have been another player. Who did they even ask yeah. submit? <laughs> they asked for Conte to be on the list. No, yeah. botch that one-on-one. No chance. No chance. Huh. Be better. Wow, Brandon be with the uh, universal rolling there. He was pretty good today. He was fantastic. I love N'Golo. <laughs> All right, so the the individuals include Tammy Abraham, Mason Mount, Antonio Rudiger, and William no surprise, with 89.3% of the Landslide. vote, William takes it, takes all of it. Mason Mount, second place, 5.5%. Rudiger with 4.4%. And Tammy Abraham with 0.8%. I would say that that's that's you know, that's no. accurate within my power rankings. Nah, Rudiger over Mount. That's what I'd say today. Anyways, I don't what? Know. it doesn't matter. I don't know. It, it doesn't matter because William walked away with it. Uh, Nick, do you think yes, that... Yeah. This is a William we only get to see when he plays Tottenham. Um, I don't know. I I, I hope we see more of it this year because, again, we're we're you know I think to to make a serious point, like we we were wondering at the beginning of the year where the goals were going to come from, right? So to to have a balance across the front three or four between Mount and Pulisic and William and and Abraham needs to happen. Um, if Tammy's not going to get his his goal uh, today, then then William needs to put in a shift. And if William's having an off day, Pulisic needs to put in a shift, and so on and so forth. So I, I just uh, I'm I'm very happy for him. I hope that he 
puts even more of this sense of urgency into his game. Um, and he's able to, to continue on a tear because it's fun when it's happening. I wonder how much the left side plays into that, but we'll, we'll have to wait and see. Uh, Premier League table time. What a crazy weekend, by the way. I'm so glad we played on Sunday and just let yeah. everything else f- fall before us. So Liverpool had the weekend off, not really doing anything of note. <laughs> uh, they're still on first uh, with 49 points and a game in hand. Leicester City dropping points. They lost. Uh, so that sucks for them, but they're on 39 points. Manchester City, all right. Beat Leicester. Smashed Leicester a little bit. Kind of reminded Leicester, hey, you may be ahead of us in the table, but don't be confused on where you, your place really is. Uh, they're on 38 points. Chelsea in fourth on 32 points. Shit you not, Sheffield United is in fifth place. Europa League nailed on. 28 points. So going Blades of Glory. If you remember this, going into this, we're at 29 points, Spurs are at 26 points. So this we talked about this, Nick. This is a huge six-point swing. Well, Spurs swung so far down that Wolves are in sixth place with 27 points, and Spurs are still sitting at 26 points. Below them is United, who lost to Watford. <sighs> okay. On 25 Convincingly points. lost to Watford. But handily. What is De Gea? Yeah. Hey, you guys want to take De Gea out of your team of the decades? All of you on Twitter yeah. and Discord? He's making me look awesome. Thanks. Jeez almighty. Uh, uh, then you go Newcastle uh, on 25 points. Burnley, 24 points. Arsenal in 11th on 23. Tied with Crystal Palace in 12th on 23 points. And then you get into Brighton down on 20. Bournemouth down in 19. Uh, Everton on 19 points. West Ham on 19 points. Uh, Southampton on 18 points and your relegation leaders are Villa what a massive slide from them they're all the way down on 15 points and 18th place Nord City on 19th place on 12 points and 20 20th place Watford on 12 points but hey they just won so hey up the Hornets the bounce (laughs) Uh, we play Southampton next sure do one one might assume Dan that um, that they're going to come in looking to defend at Stamford Bridge, a formula that uh, that we have seen recently. Thoughts and feelings about how we might be able to beat a team playing 10 behind the ball. Well, they also have a negative 16 goal difference. But and they have Danny Ings, baby. They have Danny they Ings. They do have Danny Ings, who is enjoying scoring at the moment, but they are the uh, third worst side in terms of conceding goals this season. So... I would hope that a little Boxing Day present for all of us. We just pack up some three points. We continue pushing forward. We get five points closer to the safety total of 40 to know that we won't get relegated for the upcoming season. Be good. You know, we're going to, we blew our load. We've got nothing in the tank. Jesus. Brandon, Brandon's a little loose on the the 10% beer there. (laughs) (laughs) Not even that. Like, Look at how we performed against West Ham, Everton, Bournemouth. What makes you think we're going to do this against Southampton after raising our level unbelievably high for Tottenham? No one's going to give a shit about one, playing Southampton. One one key point, though, one key point is Kovacic is not eligible for this match because he did pick up his fifth yellow card or fifth caution. 
Yeah, and so and it was one, you know, again, Anthony Bar- Taylor Lee. just finding ways Bar- to be terrible. Bar- Bar- no. <laughs> No, no, no way. <laughs> no, Jorginho did not even play a full game. He's going to be fine, and Golo Conte is Iron you know, Man. Five, five, five men in one. It's uh, he's he's like the human version of Voltron. It's pretty exciting. So today we're fine. was a nice, yeah. nice reminder of just what Golo Conte two man midfield does against a three man midfield. <laughs> yeah, it's it's like having a three man midfield. Um, I, so I'm looking at this. I actually kind of hope that Lampard re- retains this formation for a little bit. Not because I think we need it at home against Southampton, but I do like the width it provides. Knowing that Dave came off injured today, it, you'll likely see Reese James get back in the lineup. Um, maybe you'll see Emerson play the wingback role. Um, you know, I, I do think there's some value there. I, I would guess that after a huge performance um, from Mason Mount that Pulisic might slot back in. Um, so I think there's some pretty clear rotation that can happen here and still keep the same shape of the team. Um, but we got to have clean sheets, okay? We got to have them now. Uh, this is this is when uh, you know the, the table really starts to take shape from now until February. So you know this team has to really start locking it in and. Um, of course, we're going to get Arsenal on a new manager bounce right after Southampton because that's just the way this all works. But um, but yeah, I, I'm excited for Boxing Day now. I'm especially excited because uh, one of my really good friends, Tug, and his family are going to be there uh, in person. I, I help them um, along with uh, a good friend of the pod, Raymond Tavares, uh, help them source tickets for this. So. Uh, really hoping they get to see a good performance. That's awesome. That's so cool to hear. Yeah. Well, Raymond's a hero. Good for him. Yeah, Just a look, pure hero for helping me out. Love that. Mm-hmm. I love hearing that. And look, plug to the Chelsea community for being just freaking awesome with all that stuff. So uh, shout out to all of you out there. All right. We've ran long. What are we sitting at? Roughly four hours an and hour 30 minutes. and 23 minutes. You all are heroes for sticking around. But. I mean, did we have any other option today, really? I mean, what else were we going to do than half-ass this victory? And I'm sure some of you are traveling home for Christmas, for the holidays, to see family, to see friends, to see loved ones. It's our gift to you. We're just here to help that time fly. I've got a four-hour drive home when I make it. Uh, This would be perfect for that. And I hope that this has filled that for you as well. Anyways, thank you, listeners, as always. Let us know how you celebrated. Let us know where you were when the Chelsea beat Spurs on Sunday, December 22nd, 2019. Sorry, I'm practicing for 2020, getting ready. Thank you, Dan. Thank you, Nick. Uh, In case you didn't know, they are traveling. So they're making extra efforts to show up and deliver the pod. So tweet at them a big thank you. If you're on YouTube, I have some um, some preserves behind me in my mother's basement. You, so. Are you in a bomb shelter? Yeah. Is this what's going on here? He's got a survival kit. Yeah. Fantastic. I, I, I have salsa for days down here, so I'm good. I am looking forward to my gift of salsa in the mail, Nick. Thank you. There it is. <laughs> All right. Uh, anyways, thank you, everyone. Uh, what a fantastic day. Look at our Instagram and Twitter. Uh, we'll have some... Um, some pod assets there for you to check out. But anyways, um, we got more more matches coming. All right, we got a lot going on this week. And, and Merry Christmas and Happy Holidays. Correct. 
Merry Christmas and Happy, Happy Hanukkah. From us and to Hanukkah in yours. Until next time, Chelsea fans, you know what to do. Keep the blue flag flying high.